Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm the Bill Arnold part of that sentence. And today, for the full hour, I have Dr. Andy Scudinga in my studio. We're going to talk about why we're afraid to make changes and giving God room to do things with us. Andy's a psychology professor at um, North Central University here in Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And I always like having Andy on the show. He has got a lot of wonderful insights, and he's... uh, very good at snappy repartee. So there you go, Andy. There's your intro. And now I'm like speechless. <laughs> so so yeah. much for the snappy repartee, yeah, right? Yeah, I shouldn't have said that part, but you are yeah. good at it. So I will I can snap. Oh, you you can snap, my friend. Yeah. So let's Family talk about skill. why we fear change. Uh I know our brain loves being in control. You actually you gave away the whole thing right uh, there. Okay. Let's go to break. Yep. That was All great. Right, nah. Good cover. Control. <laughs> and we're done. All right. I just so, took a shot in the dark. Yeah. No, actually, that's that's really true. Uh, people are, we, everyone really is, um, we all have fear of change at some point in our lives. You know, some, some people like, I like change. I actually enjoy things changing sometimes. But but like most people, there's pieces of our lives where I, I am afraid of change because, yeah, it's outside of our control. And when it's something that's especially outside of control, um, like being laid off um, or you're being told to do something new from your boss, for example, that you've never done before, that's mm-hmm. that's even worse than change like, hey, I've decided to change my hairstyle because I want to, right? right. That's, that's There's still maybe some trepidation, like what if nobody likes it? What if I'm rejected? Um, but when you take away the control piece, that's a, that's a huge, huge piece of it. Mm-hmm. And does uncertainty just sort of feed our fears? I think so. Of change? Yeah, because we're we're unaware of what really is going to come next. And we're wired as people to rely on regular, you know, a lot of people say, I'm not a big routine person. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Whenever somebody says that, that usually means they don't want to follow your orders. Right. They And they want to live life, you know, kind of at their own pace or mm-hmm. they want to do their own thing. But even people who say, I don't. Dude, I don't have a routine. You, most people still get up at the same time every day, and when they get up, they do the same types of things. And when you know they go to bed, they do the same types of things. They probably eat the same lunch frequently. We do a lot of things that we that give us comfort of reliability and repetition because it's safe. It's not something that we have to process, and that's kind of nice. And our yeah. brains are wired to want normalcy and to seek out things that are standard. I mean, I, I see a certain amount of routine in, in God's creation, too. I mean, yeah. the sun rises in the morning. Does he place it? Does he put it in places? Does he put stars in the skies at night? I don't know. But, I mean, there's yeah. things that happen every day that are pretty spectacular. That's an excellent point. I hadn't even <clears throat> thought about that, really. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you're you're exactly right. We, just, we rely on those things to keep us comfortable yeah. and regular. Um in, in all kinds of different activities. You know, we get hungry at about the same time every day. At least I do. You know, I do too. I'm ready for lunch at like 11 o'clock almost every day. So now Me I too. eat lunch at about 11 o'clock every day. Mm-hmm. 
um, when we are confronted with change and we start to think, uh-oh, this is going to throw my my world into some disorder or disarray, how do we kind of tamp down that anxiety? Yeah, that's that's a really great that's a really great question. There's a few different things that you can do. The first of which is talk about it with somebody. It's really important when people have fears of change or even even if you don't want to say, well, I'm not afraid of change, but I just don't like it. Well, whatever you want to say about it is fine. The thing to do is to talk about it with somebody and to bring it up. I am uncomfortable with this change and here's why. Sometimes saying those things out loud, I think, at least for me, sometimes saying stuff out loud to some other person, you realize well, that sounds kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't need to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Doctor, or it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, Dr. Andy Scuttinga is my guest. And uh, we're always glad to have Andy on the show. I know his parents are listening and his mother-in-law is listening today. So yeah, hi to both. Um, we're talking about why we're afraid to make changes and giving God room to do things with us. We do love we do love the way things were. We do love, uh, I, I remember a, a, a test that was given. There were two paintings. Uh, this group was told one was painted in 1905 and the other one was painted five years ago. What? Yes. Is that part of your material? I read that today you did yes yeah i i I think i read that in the last year or so (laughs) i think i did it's kind of creepy it is kind of weird but i remember them saying which one do you like better and they like the one from 1905 because they just felt yeah that's been around a while that's that's got some history that gives me comfort that's weathered a lot of years uh and that that means something to me isn't that fascinating how people can not even know Really, the truth about it, we just we just take it, right? You could probably show somebody two identical paintings and say this one is the older one, this one is the copy, and which one you like better. Right. Or you could do that with a lot of different things. I, I, I think that's why people are drawn to traveling in Europe, for example. You know, so many people, what's on your bucket list? I want to go I want to go see Europe. Why? Because I want to see all the old buildings. <laughs> because they're <laughs> yeah. better, right? They've been around right. longer. They're, yes. they're more established. They've and we do this with with brands, right? You might there might be a new car that comes out, a new car company, and it'll take us a while to trust it, even if it's really the best car ever made in history. It'll take a while for people to trust it. We'll go back to the old established patterns, the old established brands. That's just what we do. And that study I think is is fascinating. We're comforted by things that have been around. Mm-hmm. But that makes sense because it's, I mean, even if you're shopping for like a VRBO for the summer, a Verbo, if you want to be mm-hmm. really right about it, I guess, you look for the reviews, right? How many people have said this is good? If two people said it's good, I'm less trustworthy or I, f- I feel less trusting of that site than if it's had 75 reviews because it's, ta- it's, you know, it's, it's tried and tested and true. And I think we do that with all kinds of things in our lives without even recognizing it at all. Mm-hmm. We're looking for something that's safe and easy. Food, yep. right? Do you want to go to this new restaurant or should we go to the one that we've been to eight times? Tried and true. Eh, let's go to the let's go to the old one. Yeah. I, <laughs> right. know, I don't right. feel very adventuresome. Today. But we all have this manuscript in our head. We all have this narrative in our head. So we we can't we shouldn't resist the unexpected. I'm you know, I'm not really good at doing this myself, but when I think of Jesus, he did a lot of ministry on his way to doing ministry. Yeah. <laughs> he was headed to go do ministry and got interrupted on his yeah. way to do ministry where he did ministry. And it so never bothered him. 
No, no. It seemed like that was something that just came very naturally to him. So he didn't resist the unexpected. He used it as a way to uh, serve people yeah. and, to, and to meet people's needs. And I think we get into this rhythm of, well, I've got to go from point A to point B, and nothing should stop me between point A and point B. <laughs> right? And maybe it's these lovely interruptions from point A to point B that is where God wants you. I think that's a great point. We we need to be open to those different experiences and those unique experiences because we we don't know when God might be planting something in front of us that would change our lives in a maybe a small way or even maybe a really dramatic way. Mm-hmm. Andy, what if you are re- rehashing old stories and you're going through things in your mind over and over and it's really hard if you're there to embrace what might be next? Yeah, that's. I think a lot of people struggle with that, especially if they're dealing with, uh, you know, difficult times at the moment. It's nice to go back in time and remember, oh, remember when our kids were little or remember that time before we had kids and our lives were really a lot easier. We didn't have to feed anybody and wipe anybody or wash anybody. Uh, remember when our kids lived at home, right? You know, it's easy for us to go back. Remember my first job. That was so much better than the one that I'm doing right now. And I think it's perfectly fine to go back and revisit happy times as long as we don't forget to pay attention to what's going on in front of us and also what's going on before us because we don't know what God has planned for us and we could be missing a door that's just waiting for us to walk through where Mm -hmm. we could serve others better, serve ourselves better, take better care of ourselves because we're looking over our shoulder at, man, I wish I could do that again. I wish I could repeat all those times. I wish I could go back to that. That's not. That's actually a really unhealthy mindset to be living in the past all the mm-hmm. time. Dr. Andy Scudding is my guest. We're uh, talking about change and making yourself available for what God might want to do in your life. Andy, I think fatigue, stress can be a killer when it comes to change. Because if I suggest a change and you go, I'm too tired, I'm yeah. too stressed out, I can't wrap my arms around that. Yeah. It's just too much. That's, do, I think that's what's hardest that? to change is when you're exhausted. Uh, because, again, we're going back to that fear. We're, we're more susceptible to fear and negative feelings when we're tired. I mean, just look at little kids. I mean, mm-hmm. when, when little children, toddlers, don't, when they get tired, everything becomes way worse. Well, honestly, that, that really doesn't change much throughout your entire life. Even when you're 60, 50, 40, 30, when you're tired, nothing looks quite as good as it should you know we're we're less adventuresome we're less willing to take risks we're less willing to try things when we're exhausted and so you kind of have to get your energy back up and then re-engage with the idea of change and look at it through maybe a more objective lens that isn't clouded by your own tiredness Mm -hmm. and and obviously for some people that's really difficult to do because they're dealing with lots of hard things in their life and they're exhausted by that Mm -hmm. they can't necessarily escape that but we still have to put in, maybe just ratchet up our energy a little bit more to say, okay, I need to take a look at this with a with a clean eye, with a different lens that isn't filtered by my fear, my anxiety, and my exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Dr. Andy Scuddinga is my guest. He is a psychology professor here at uh, North Central University in the greater Twin Cities area. We're talking about why we're afraid to make changes and giving God room to do things with us. If you have a question or you want uh, Andy to answer something in those departments, we're absolutely happy to hear uh, what it is you want to ask. Text the question over to 
888-528-2484. And I'll ask Andy. Back to the show, Dr. Andy Scudinga is my guest. He is a psychology professor. We're talking about why you don't like to change. And there's a lot of good reasons you don't like to change. Sometimes people say, you know, I, I'm, I'm happier with circumstances I have versus the possibilities and problems of what change might bring. Yeah. And that's, they do cost-benefit analysis. They go, I'm okay with where I am now, but what if I change and these new problems come up and then I'm going to be potentially unhappy. But what about you could be potentially really happy? Yeah, why do you kind of lean toward the negative? <laughs> I think, well, I think it goes back to that 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 fear piece. It's I think for most people, it's probably easier to envision bad things happening than good things <laughs> because you don't. Uh, I think a lot of people might be afraid of um, how do I phrase this? Like fantasizing about how good it's going to be and then being disappointed. And so instead of focusing on how good it could be or how fun or how exciting or rewarding it could be, whatever it is, we focus on, well, it's probably not going to work because of this or I'm not going to be able to do this. And so then we turn it into this, well, now it's about me and now I've got fears and failures that are going to happen and I've never won anything. I've never been successful. And and now all of a sudden, instead of thinking about this could be great for me or my family or for all of us or it could be you know whatever that's positive, we think – that's not going to work. Why should I bother trying that? Because the the pain of failure here is going to be much greater than the reward that I could get. And then you do this cost-benefit analysis where you're like, well, if it doesn't work, it's going to be really terrible. If it does work, it'll probably be good. So it's probably not worth the effort to risk mm-hmm. it. Andy, what about the people that say, I've tried reaching out to neighbors. I tried sharing my faith once. Boy, that came back to bite me. Or that didn't work out good. And I thought, (laughs) I'm not going to try that again. And I want to get better at doing it. I want to be conversational with my faith. I want to let people know that I'm a follower of Christ. But I don't want to go through what I went through last time. Yeah, rejection hurts. And even if it's not rejection of us necessarily you know it could be you know if your neighbor says i'm not into that christian stuff i think it's stupid it's that's not a rejection of me Mm -hmm. it's a rejection of god and i think if we view ourselves as a as a vessel of god then we can be somewhat fearless about that Mm -hmm. i've you know it's very rare that you hear of in the news you know neighbor proselytizes to neighbor (laughs) and gets punched in the face you know (laughs) assault was you know begun at a sharing of faith in the neighborhood that you know usually it's about like cutting the weeds by the fence it's right stuff like that it's not it's not people trying to share their faith um but yet i think i think we touched on this a little bit with that fear of failure and rejection nobody likes to be rejected no i mean i feel bad for the guy that came to my house on saturday what do you want he 
it's the same company that comes every year and they they're selling you know insect repellent services or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, extermination had, services. Oh, I didn't know you had so many bugs in your house. You do. We don't. Uh, no, obviously you do. I know. And I told the they guy. They target people that have bugs. So you must be. You must have a well, lot of bugs. Well, I told him. I said, dude, you guys come here every year. And every year we tell you there's no <laughs> bugs in the neighborhood. Um, and he, he, I always feel bad for them because, you know, he's a college kid doing his job, trying to make some money. He probably gets a big commission. And there's all these grumpy people saying, get off my lawn. That has mm-hmm. no bugs. Right. Right. And right. so. That's a hard job to do. I sold magazines one summer on the on the telephone back when we had Ooh. you know like telephones. Yeah, and and people bought magazines. Yeah, <laughs> right. I was terrible. Yeah, I was terrible, and I got huh. rejected forty, fifty times a day. Yeah, and I totally understand what it's like to be told no to your face frequently, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. no fun. And I think that's why many people are probably hesitant to share their faith. Because that feeling, you don't want to have that happen again. Yeah. I want to encourage listeners. I had a couple of um, amazing letters I received in the last month. There were two guys that I worked with that were in a recovery program because I volunteer on Friday nights. Oh, yeah. And there was some, some, a little bit of head knocking along the way as I tried to, you know, make them, um, first of all, I try to make friends with them and try to help them understand God's wonderful plan for their life and that they would come to know him and understand. And there was some resistance. Sure. And then I got uh, two letters in the last um, month from both of them saying, uh, I'm now in prison. There was a, a relapse and I'm gone to prison. But they came to this profound understanding in what God wants for them. And their lives are changed dramatically. That's great. And they said, a lot of it was what you said to me in recovery. But I walked <laughs> right? out of there going, oh, that didn't work out too good. Yeah. But you have to realize that when God's word goes out and the seed gets planted, it's the Holy Spirit's job to take take it from there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and it it doesn't always have to be a you need to come to Jesus type of conversation. Sometimes it's about how you live your life and as, as a believer or demonstrating that or showing that you have faith in something that's greater and more powerful than anything else that a neighbor might recognize, like, wow, you lost a family member. How are you not just, how is your life not just destroyed? Or I know that you lost your job. How is it that you're still smiling and taking care of your yard? And I would just give up, right? There's times like that where um, we can instill hope in people's lives based on how well we are doing in the face of adversity. Mm Mm-hmm. Do our brains, Andy, have this fight or flight principle? If, if we're just trying to protect ourselves, so if we're sensing there's going to be change, or we is, see it as a threat, do hormones just get released into our <laughs> brain and our body, and all of a sudden we just want out? Yeah, that is exactly oh, what happens. Nuts. It's the there's the three F's, right? There's flee, fight, or freeze. That's yeah. the typical one. Okay, when you're when you're confronted with something that terrifies you or even makes you concerned doesn't have to be something that's you know like a tiger walking into your front yard but um that's a great that's a great example to use in class like if i released a wild tiger in here what would what would you do right you'd you'd either run away you'd some some people get up and try to fight the tiger to protect other people and some Mm -hmm. people just sit there and be meat for the tiger and we do that all the time it might not be that drastic but we we definitely have that natural response to anything that causes us to be discomfited and uncomfortable, we respond in one of those three ways generally. Mm -hmm. When we 
think of uh, people resistant to change on any level, I think we describe them as being hard-headed. Mm-hmm. And if we can't, if they can't have their mind changed, no matter what, um, how do you interact? I mean, how do you proceed in a relationship with people like that? That's really tough because, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, think about it. there's there's so many throughout history. There's always some topic that's polarizing that you run into. We were at a gathering the other night, and I was talking to strangers, some you know people that we had just met. Uh, my wife was talking to somebody else, and I was talking to this couple. And wasn't, details are unimportant. Wasn't the exterminator guy? Was it? No, okay, no. This good. was on a. This was in a different situation. <laughs> Everyone was invited and happy right. to be there. Um, <laughs> not be, yeah, nobody said you have to go there and try to sell something. That okay, was, good. I, I would have skipped that. Um, but this couple, we were talking about a wide range of things, and the topic is irrelevant. But the guy said something that was borderline offensive to me, and I, I'm pretty hard to offend, so it was more like, oh, I don't think you understand where I come from necessarily. And, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can, you can, you can go with something like that. And instead of turning it into a polarizing thing, I said something that suggested that I get where you're coming from, but I have a different perspective, and here's why. He said something about Christians. And I said, well, actually, I'm a Christian, and that's I don't agree with that either. Um, it was a political type of thing. And, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, oh, really? And so you can get into situations like that where you say, hey, wait a minute. I totally disagree with you. And immediately you can see the other person becoming defensive or maybe ready to run away from you. That There goes that, that flight instinct. I mean, they're going to run away from the conversation. Hey, well, it was nice chatting with you. I got to, I got to go talk to. I see somebody I need to talk to. You can freeze and just look them in the eye, and that's super awkward. Or you can fight, right? And I think we have another choice, which is to peacefully engage with someone. And if you realize they're not going to give in and they don't want to listen, mm-hmm. you know, in a situation like that, maybe you just say, "Okay, we can agree to disagree," or you just move on to a different topic yeah. without losing the interaction. But when it's somebody close to you, that's a whole whole different ballgame. Because mm-hmm. now you're dealing with someone you know you're going to regularly run into who's very stubborn. And that can be a significant challenge to a relationship. Mm-hmm. Andy, I think we're, we're going to take a little break. But we've been talking about if you're afraid to make changes. And a lot of us are reluctant. We feel maybe more comfortable with what is versus what might be. But I also want to come back after the break and talk about giving God room to do things with us. Yeah. I think that's important as well. My guest is Dr. Andy Scudiga. He's a psychology professor here in Minneapolis, St. Paul area. And if you have a question for him or a comment you'd like to make, you can always text it over to me, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Hey. It's the afternoon 
Welcome to the show. If you just joined me, Dr. Andy Scudinga is my guest. He's a psychology professor. I like psychology uh, as a subject, and I like Andy as a person, so it's a really lovely combo. <laughs> no, it is, Andy. It's a lovely combo. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, we're talking about change today and how we are reluctant to make change. We're afraid to make changes, and I want to talk about giving God room to do things with us. But before I get to that, I want to talk about why we're afraid to make changes. What about uh, the person who's afraid to make changes so they don't throw anything away? Because letting something go would be a change. So you go into oh, their yeah. house or their garage and you go, there's there's no room anywhere because there's stuff everywhere. Yeah, that's hoarding disorder. Well, let's not call it a disorder. Let's just call it that I don't like to give stuff away. I don't like changes. Yes. That, if, if I give that away, I won't have it anymore. I won't be able to see it. I don't use it, but I know it's there. And that's some comfort. Is that a disorder or is that just... Oh, yeah, that's a real disorder. Yeah, it's fairly new um, in terms of psychological disorders. The DSM-5 added hoarding disorder. It's actually under the same umbrella as um, obsessive-compulsive disorder, which are both under the umbrella of anxiety disorders. Okay. Uh, It's a fascinating thing, and it's grown in uh, how often it's been diagnosed. It's, um, It's, I can't remember the technical term now, how often it happens to okay. people has gone up significantly as we've understood more and more about how it comes to be. But mm-hmm. it, it is fear-based. It's anxiety-based. I'm afraid that if I throw this, you know, whatever away, I'll never have it again and I won't be able to use it. Mm-hmm. And people can spiral into this and you can have houses just filled with stuff that maybe 10 years ago would have been useful for somebody else to have but not you. And now you still have it in your house and it can become really dangerous actually you know live in places like that Mm -hmm. what about the fear of starting home repairs or improvement projects (laughs) that's that sounds like someone who decided to fix their toilet (laughs) and now has a gigant puddle of water in the basement Mm -hmm. yeah i i've had that fear many times you could probably ask my wife about this and she could tell you how many times i've looked at a project and thought i can't do that now. Rewiring your basement. If you don't know how to rewire a basement, that's probably something that's right. That's good fear, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's constructive fear where, um, you know, I should I should be afraid of driving down the highway at a hundred miles an hour without a seatbelt or a roof on my car. I mean, or I should be afraid of a poisonous snake. That's constructive fear. It's telling us to be careful. But the deconstructive fear is when you are looking at something that should be kind of maybe easy to fix. And you're so paralyzed with, what if I do it wrong? I, I can't, I'm so afraid that I'm going to mess it up that I can't even do it. Mm-hmm. That's deconstructive fear. That's that's not helpful. And it gets in the way of you having a quality, happy life. Mm-hmm. Do your home improvement projects ever work out? Most of them do. Yeah, um, good for you. Well, because now, I mean, I've been a homeowner for a long time. We've owned a few different houses and... The first house we had, we didn't have tons of money mm-hmm. to hire people. So I called my brother-in-law and said, hey, Brian, and Brian, you know which one you are too. What do I do with this? How do I fix this? And he would either explain it to me on the phone or would drive four hours the next week and fix it for me. So that was helpful. Mm-hmm. But I learned to try things and recognize what my limits are. And I think that's fair for anybody to do. You know, recognize what you are capable of, but also don't be afraid to... Try to learn something new and make a mistake. That's mm-hmm. okay. All right, Andy, before we get to uh, the next segment about uh, making room for God to do things in our life relative to change, 
Another question came in, and this is set up as a serious question, mm-hmm. something I've grappled with my entire walk with Christ. That's yeah. what the listener has set it up. And the question is, do you think God wonders how he came to be? I know it's a, it's a super, <laughs> you know, deep thought, but your answer is? Probably not. Yeah. My answer would be emphatically no. Yeah. Yeah. Because he would know because he's always been. Yeah. That's a hard one for me. I don't like thinking about that for very long. Because it's, um, it, it's, you know, I, I like to think I'm a pretty intelligent person. I know I have holes in my game, but that one's too big. Just the idea of God not having a beginning or an end, you know, the alpha and the omega, the beginning. Remember that old song? Yeah. Um, even as a kid, that was a puzzling one to me. And as an adult, I look at it and think, I, I really don't want to spend any time thinking about this. I don't care. Um, I'll just take it for granted. God has always existed. And what he thinks about it is, is, is in his mind. And I'm not going to understand it anyway. You can get anxious thinking about that for too long. I really believe that. Well, a mind outside this world created this world. So why would we think we can figure it out? I mean, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Wait, wait, wait. So there was no starting point with God. God always existed. Yeah. So there we go. In our human form, we can't figure that out. No, because we we can't comprehend something that we, is impossible for us. Right. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about how uh, we make room for God to do things in our life. Well, I think it's t- I think it's tough, honestly, because we are, and and you know, when I say we, I mean me too, right? We're always thinking about stuff that we think about. What, what am I going to do next? What's the next project I can complete? What's the next promotion I can earn? What is the next fun thing that we can do? And we're not, we're probably not focusing enough of our time every day just asking God, what do you, what do you want me to do? I don't think God wants us to wake up every day and say, hey, God, what should I do today? I don't right? think so either. I mean, if you have a job, you, you go to work, right? If you, you should have a purpose. Yeah, you have, you have purpose in life. And most yeah. of us know what that is. I think most believers have sought that out. But sometimes it's more than just doing that and, and repeating those routines that we have every day. It's seeking for change that God wants us to have. But I think that's counterintuitive for us as humans because we don't really want to seek out change unless we're unhappy with the status quo. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if anyone has gone through a significant change that, that they they decided they're going to make this change and it was something spectacularly different from what they once did. I'd love to hear that. If you'd text that over, I would find that very entertaining. 877-933-2484. I mean, I do hear stories of people that were a corporate lawyer and they woke up one day and they said, I think the Lord's calling me to go uh, help resettle refugees in in Zimbabwe. And yeah. Boom. Six months later, they're gone. We And I think, wow, yeah. that's outstanding. We knew a man, um, I think while he's still going strong, um, there's a man in, in Papua New Guinea named Wally Wiley. And Wally was a very successful engineer, I believe, with an aerospace company, lived in California. And that's exactly what he did. He, I don't know that he woke up one day, but he started feeling like there was something different that God wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. And he, that feeling kept growing. And then, yeah, like probably just one day he said to his wife, I think it's time for us to leave and move overseas someplace and do mission work. Mm -hmm. And so he uprooted his family. They moved out to Papua New Guinea to an incredibly rural area, you know, a place where electricity is not a regular thing. And um, 
just basically lived in the in the jungle there and started ministering to people. Wow. And amazing. Has done incredible things for God in that part of the world. And as a deeply respected person, we we met him and his family many times. They're just fabulous people, but not not the typical type that you would say would migrate into, you know, mission work. You know, you might think, oh yeah, you grow up in a past your pastor's kid and you grew up in the church your whole life. I don't think he even grew up in a church most of his his childhood. I think he became a Christian as an adult and was a very successful. I mean, he was making tons of money. He was a wealthy person and just gave all of that up and said, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to go serve God, and I'm going to do it in a very faraway place. It's a pretty remarkable story. Mm-hmm. It's very admirable. Yeah. So when we want to create space for God to help us make changes, um, is there any disciplines or any advice or any things that we anything we can sort of have on our um in our arsenal to to do i think it's every day asking god what is your will for me what do you want me to do mm-hmm. not not in terms of you know how do i fill out that report today like oh, no. we talked about earlier but I, I think it's okay to ask god every single day what do you want me to do am i doing god am i doing what you want me to be doing but if you if you do that, you have to be ready for the consequences, which right. are God might answer you and say, I want you to do right. X, Y, or Z. I think that's a that's a simple discipline, but you have to really mean it or yeah. else it's, it's not going to work very but well. That's a, more of a subset in the midst of God's calling on your life when you get up and say, God, who would you put in front of me today? Who might you lead me into a, um, an, a conversation with or, yeah. or uh, an encounter with? where I can be sharing your hope with someone. Yeah. And if you pray that specific prayer, get ready, because you're going to probably, most likely, 100% get it. Yeah, I'm right? pretty sure, yeah. God loves that. I think God loves that prayer. I think so, too. And it, and again, it doesn't always have to be something, like, you know, amazing and wonderful, like quitting your job and moving halfway around the world. Right. It could be something very small, like, we, you know, you mentioned it earlier, like, just making a point to go to the neighbor and say, you guys want to come to church with us on Sunday? Does that interest you at all? Um, maybe that's all it is. Maybe that's the big change. Mm-hmm. And that means developing a relationship with a neighbor or a friend or a coworker. Um, because there's there's positive and, and, and maybe even negative consequences that go with that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you will need to talk with them a lot more. And that means giving up some of your free time that you have to dedicate to someone's discipleship or growth Mm -hmm. or asking questions. Mm -hmm. Dr. Andy Scudinga is my guest. If you just joined us, we're talking about why we're reluctant to change and how we can make space for God to help us with changes. Now, Andy, I think here's a change we could probably all do effective right now, and that is have a... um, uh, a smile response to more people. Yeah. You know, if if you drive through the neighborhood and, and you know, people are walking dogs and you kind of wave, kind of neighborly wave. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying you know them. No. But it's hardly, hardly ever does someone smile back. Maybe they can't see you through the glass or something that you're smiling. Right, but, right. But you, you, when you, when you see somebody smile, when they look at you and smile, it instantly says, oh, okay. You're being a kind person. Yeah. And you're you're not angry. You're accessible. But something as simple as a smile. 
Well, we've talked about this in the show before. Even when you fake it and you fake it enough, it becomes real. You know, if you're like, I don't really want to smile at my neighbors. I don't, I'm not that guy, right? I'm not that person. I'm not a waver. I'm not a hugger. Well, you don't have to be hugger neighbors. Just you, even if you're doing like the one finger raise on the steering wheel. Yeah. Like when I moved to Northwest Iowa for a while. Mm -hmm. That's how you greet everybody. You drive down the street. You you don't smile. You just look at them in the eye. And and then one finger comes up. One one finger up. Yeah. And I learned pretty quickly how to do that and that you you better do it to everybody because you don't, you know, you could offend somebody. But in a neighborhood like here in the Twin Cities, some of you are, you know, like you're in Connecticut or Sioux Falls or wherever. I think it's a great idea, Bill. And it's, you know, we're we're stuck in this time warp, weird reality, post-COVID, post-pandemic, where people are still struggling with socializing. Oh, are they ever? And... It's okay, it's okay to, you know, it's okay to still have some trepidation about socializing, but we need to get back out there. And I think Christians need to lead the charge for that. And one way to do that is to be accessible to your neighbors, to be accessible as a, just another human being to people walking down the street, looking people in the eye and nodding or smiling or saying good morning or good afternoon yeah. or whatever. Those are things that for some people that that is that would be a scary change Yeah, because they're yeah. not extroverted they don't enjoy interacting with people but what a blessing that you can be to yeah just people that you don't see very often in your neighborhood and just waving at them and smiling letting them know or I people care at the grocery store when you agree. come oh, down yeah, the aisle yeah. and you turn around and you confront another cart smile yeah yeah all right dr andy scudding is my guest we're talking about why we're afraid to make changes and then giving god room to do things with us so if you have a great change story, I just saw one that just came in. We'd love to hear it. It'd be uh, texted to 877-933-2484. Again, I'll be right back with Andy in just a minute. Thumbs up for my music, my bumper music from my guest, Dr. Andy Scudding. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're talking about why we're afraid to make changes and giving God room to do things with us. I asked if anyone is interested in sharing some change they had in their life. How about this? After managing our nation's first electricity open market, I left Connecticut to run a refugee settlement ministry in Chicago and saw God answer prayer profoundly. Later, I left a U.S. energy IT company to serve as CEO of a Haiti NGO conglomerate. That's pretty cool, that's man. That's some change, isn't it? Man to you, not, I don't know if that's a man or a woman who wrote that in. I don't know if it's a man or a woman either. Probably yeah. a man. I think it's a man. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's uh, a huge change. Yeah, here's another change. One change I've, I have done is to never get frustrated with anybody who is serving me, like clerks, etc. I don't know what they're going through. That's beautiful. That's that David. is great. Oh, man, I wish a lot more people would learn that. I I know there's been plenty of times where I've treated somebody less well than I should have because mm-hmm. I was frustrated with probably something that was out of their control to begin with. Like, why is our food taking so long? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Right? And then you're like, well, you're not the one making it, so why am I taking it out on you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think many of us could probably do a better job with that. And we can change. We can start a new routine. Absolutely. And the new routine is going to serve not only us well, but it's going to make us 
I'm more of an ambassador for Christ, I yeah. believe, in the world. Uh, I had uh, lunch one day with a friend, and the harried waitress came to the table, and she said, I'm just so sorry, I, I, I'll i be there in a minute. And he said, please, take your time. Yeah. And all of a sudden, that just <laughs> liberated her to go, oh, they're not mad at me. I bet she doesn't hear that very often. No, she doesn't. Uh, take your time. No, 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 take, no, take your time. It's uh, We're good. You know, we're right. just talking. Take your time. And it sort of gave her the freedom nice. to just go, I don't have a mad table. Yeah. Um, and I thought... What I, a gift. And I, I've been using that ever since. That's a good one. I'll have to try that sometime. It just it just cuts people a little bit of slack. It's like, no, 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 take your time. We're just, You're we're fine. just chatting. Yeah. Now, was I truly believing that? I mean, there was some anxiousness. <laughs> well, like, you know, would love to... Love to get things going here, but you know, because yeah, I'm starving. You, for real. Yeah, but but you don't know what they're going through. Yeah, and you give whoever's serving you that opportunity to just take a breath. I have to remind myself of that a lot, actually. That I I don't know what's going on in somebody's head. You know, somebody you'll see somebody driving like a maniac through tight traffic. You think, why is your hurry so much more important than everybody else's? That's yeah, true. And then you might realize. What if they're what if they're late and this is the last warning? You know, what if they're late to an appointment that they absolutely cannot miss? It's a medical thing. I mean, it could be a lot of stuff. It could be I just had a massive fight with my spouse or my partner, or roommate, friend, whatever, and I'm not thinking straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is yeah, it's it's difficult to put ourselves in other people's shoes, but when we can, it can make our own lives a lot happier. Mm-hmm. And you know, the thing about change that I it's always important for people to recognize and remember and listeners should pay really close attention to this. This is, this is psychological fact. It's backed by all kinds of research. You can really only make one significant change at a time. You can't, it's, it's completely ineffective to look at your life and say, I need to do all of these things differently and I'm going to change them all right now. I am going to change my whole life, right? You're going to fail at all of them. Mm. It's, it's guaranteed. Good word. You make a list and you say, what do I want to prioritize first? I'm going to be more organized and I'm going to be nicer to people. Nope. Pick one mm-hmm. and then get that done. Mm-hmm. Become more organized. Yeah. And then now you start working on, I'm going to be more nice. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you really can't do major changes two at a time. It just it just doesn't work. We don't have the capacity to do that. Yeah. Another comment, God has shown me that everything is a gift and we need to reciprocate by drawing closer to God, allowing him to transform us and to re-gift God's gift, serving our brothers and sisters in Christ to transform our world. Yeah, I like that. Romans 12, 2, transform ourselves to be the face of God, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Um, Yeah, it's good. I like that stuff. Yeah, you know, I teach personality theories at school, and there's there's kind of two different schools of thought. One is that you don't change your personality over time. You're, you're born with a set of genetics, and that's your personality. And then there's another school of thought is that your personality is malleable and changeable throughout your whole life. And you can go from an introvert to be an extrovert. And I, I disagree with that. I think people are born with a personality. I think you learn how to manage it better. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're super extroverted and outgoing and you like to talk a lot, and you're talking all the time and you never let everybody talk, blah, 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 you know, you can you can learn how to manage that better. Just like introverts who don't really want to spend three hours in a crowd of people, mm-hmm. learn how to manage that and learn when to say, OK, it's time for me to go home and recharge being by myself. We learn how to manage that stuff, but I don't think our personalities change. So if, if but that, that's my opinion, there's different schools of thought. But mm-hmm. if, if you're a listener out there like, 
I want to change so much about myself. Maybe, maybe. Did don't you read think my journal? That I. Did you get a hold of my journal, Andy? That was yours. Yeah, it was mine. Wow, oh, that's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, you can't you can't change your personality too easily, but you can't manage it. You can't manage it differently. People can. People have been very successful at that. But mm-hmm. you, if you're an introvert, you're not going to turn into an extrovert. Mm. Students do that all the time. They're like, "I came to college, became an extrovert." I'm like, no. You didn't. You, you, you did not. <laughs> mm-hmm. You learned how to maybe let that part of you expand a little mm-hmm. bit, but that's who you've always been, and that 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 really doesn't change. Yeah, Andy, let's talk about a prayer strategy for change, for yeah. coming to God in prayer, yeah. and saying, "Father, this is a this is a change that I feel I should make. Help me." Yeah, and then how do we start to uh, look for? His leading and guiding, and how would you how would you suggest we we go to God in prayer when we have something we want to change? I think with great specificity. I like that. That you, was the answer I was looking for. Yeah, you yep. tell God, or you ask God. You don't tell God. Hey, God, I want you to do this for me. Right? That doesn't. I don't. I don't think that ever works very well. Um, but you ask for specific change. You know, saying God make me a better person. Well, how? You know, I mean, are you? Are you a compulsive gambler? Are you an alcoholic? Are you too nice to people? I mean, do you, it could be myriad things that we say make me a better person, but I think we have to focus specifically on things that we want to change and name those. And I'm not a name it, claim it type of person where like, if I just, you know, I could speak it into existence. I mm-hmm. don't buy into that at all. Mm-hmm. I think you ask God for specific things and he may not say yes. Right. That's the other piece. Uh, listener. Uh, chimed in with, what about when you change your personality depending on the group you're in? You might be an introvert at work, an introvert at work, but maybe you're not so much with friends. I don't think you're. I don't think you're changing your personality. I think you're just managing it. Okay. I, I think we all do that. We're all a little bit of chameleons to some degree. Mm-hmm. You know, there's times. Obviously, I'm I'm pretty extroverted. Well, maybe that's not so. I, I suppose if you show up on a radio show as a guest, yeah, you might most likely be an extrovert. Well, you're a college professor, so you're in front of students teaching. You, you need some ability to be an extrovert. That's true, you're but I have introvert. colleagues who are very introverted. Really? Yes. Are, very they good te- are they good professors? They're excellent professors. Oh, okay. And I know both. I mean, it. I don't think personality always shapes how good we are at things the way that we want to make it sound like. Because you would assume, people often assume that comedians and radio hosts and musicians and theater people who perform mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Cause I think this job is, is somewhat performance, right? I mean, you are, you're providing something for your listeners, not just mm-hmm. entertainment, but knowledge and whatnot. And so people assume that anybody who's a performer or who does things publicly is automatically an extrovert. Not true, but that's totally not true. No, uh, I, I had a friend in Ames, Iowa, who was a former stand-up comic and he had spent, you know, four or five years touring around doing, you know, 300 shows a year. He was on the road all the time. Mm-hmm. And he was as introverted as you could imagine. And I, I asked him about that. I said, how, as an introvert, how do you do that? And he said, well, it, I'm not really sure, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. 
But I also wanted to get out of there as soon as I could. I didn't want to talk to people. I just wanted to do my comedy and make people laugh. Mm -hmm. I got enjoyment from that. But I didn't want to meet people. I didn't want to hang around and drink and talk and do all the things that stand-up comics are supposed to do afterwards. I just left. I know 321 guys like that. That that love to perform and are very introverted. Yeah. Yeah. It's a a funny thing. Um, But we are – our jobs aren't necessarily tied to our personality types. Or the quality of how we do them. It's not always tied right. to personal so I, want, I want to encourage you tonight, if you need to pray for change, that, like Andy said, pray with specificity. Take your request to the Lord. Let it be known. Uh, don't trust in your in your own heart, but, but let God know what you would like to change and let God do his work yeah. and make room for him. Absolutely. Andy, th- thanks, Andy, for doing this. This has been good. It's always good. It's Thanks fun for having to see me. you too. Yeah, you too. And, yeah, and enjoy the rest of your beautiful hot summer evening here in the Twin Cities. Yeah, I'm thankful for the air conditioning in my aren't, car. Aren't we all? That's our show for tonight. Thank you for being part of the show. If you heard all of it or parts of it, either way, I've loved being with you. And if you are interested in hearing the pieces you missed, you can always go to the podcast at myfaithradio.com. And I will uh, look forward to being with you tomorrow. All right. So have a good night. I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.